Hey, I'm excited to share uh, this evening and I'm excited to preach. Um, I say this at the start of every message, but I love the opportunity to share um, a word that's been on my heart because I know that it can really change, it has changed my life, what God has spoken to me. And I'm believing that um, God can really change your life just in a moment and just as easily as he changed my life, he can change your life. As we hear about Jesus, as we learn about him, God's going to speak a word into our heart. So uh, I just want to encourage you to be receptive and be open to that tonight. But I got to tell you a story uh, about my car keys. And uh, over a year and a half ago, my car keys, um, the, the blipper stopped working, so I couldn't, I couldn't remote unlock. And um, first world problems, this was pretty annoying. So, uh, uh, you know, Pastor Sue has had this problem before where her remote stopped working. And Pastor Sue, what did you do? I went to a key place. And how, like, how quickly did you do that? Did you wait or? That was pretty quick. You see, I was not that smart. Uh, I went on YouTube and I tried to learn how to fix it and I found this video of this guy saying, this is what you got to do, you got to get into your car and uh, the way that your car resets it is you, you get the key out and you, and you put it into the ignition and then you turn it three times and that signals to the car that you're trying to program it and then the way that you tell the car that you're trying to program your key uh, is that you open and close the door three times. So you've got to do this three times, and then you've got to do this three times, and then your car will be ready to program, and you press the button on your key, and then all should work, and you should hear a blip, blip, and you're all good. Well, I did not hear the blip, blip. <laughs> and so I got my YouTube video out calmly, and I watched it again, and I made sure that I got all the steps. And I did not get the blip, blip. So I watched another YouTube video because that guy must have been wrong. But sure enough, uh, the steps were exactly the same. And anyway, I was like, you know what? Paying for keys is an exorbitant cost. And I'm a common man. I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to use the key to unlock. So I used the key for a year. And then two months ago, it snapped. And I couldn't lock my car, and I had to go get a pair of pliers to pull the keys out of my ignition. <laughs> so I decided that I would give up, and I would go to the place that Pastor Sue went to, and I paid the money, and I watched closely. And this guy got in, put in the key three times, <laughs> I opened the door, closed the door three times, and it worked. And I have no idea what the difference is between what he did and what I did. But I tell you what, that just made me, that just made me so mad. He, because we, we did the exact same thing. It was the same thing that I saw in the video. Took a look at it, took it outside. La-da-da-da-da. Goodbye, $400. And uh, apparently... I don't know, something special, with, uh, something special with that man's touch. But I followed, I, I was sure that I followed all the instructions. You should have seen me in the church car park looking like an eight-year-old kid with too much red cordial. <laughs> and it didn't work and I'm trying again. And man, I don't know if you've ever had that feeling before where you've seen someone do something amazing. And, and, and you, you just got to know how they did it. Maybe it's a recipe. You get the exact recipe. You buy the exact same ingredients. And it's just, what? 
it, it, it turns out like a dumpster fire. My mum makes an amazing lasagna, and I love her lasagna, and I have taken the recipe, and I have tried to create it, but it has never turned out as good, and the ingredients are the same, and I'm sure the method is the same, but for some reason, when she does it, it's just so much more amazing than when I do it, and she has no business being that good at lasagna because she is Indonesian, and lasagna is Italian. So if you're wondering a little bit about my heritage, I have a lot of Indonesian blood in me. So for, for some reason, though, it, it was different when I did it. I don't know if you've had that same sort of feeling, Maybe it's been um, with coffee. Maybe you've, someone at home bought this new, uh, I don't know, fancy coffee machine and they got their beans from this particular supplier and they're exotic and you taste it and it's amazing and then you take it home and you follow all the steps, but somehow it turns out different. Maybe you're going around in life and, and you, maybe you're, you're struggling with your self-esteem and, and there's influencers on Instagram who say, oh, you got to do affirmations. There's YouTubers who say, you got to get out into nature and, and just feel the breeze and create something. And then there's pastors who are up here saying, hey, just pray about it. And maybe you've, you've heard all the methods. You know the how-to and you tried it, but it just, it just doesn't work. Maybe it's in your romantic relationships. <laughs> and you've got your friends saying, you've got to take it to this level. This is how you do this. And your parents are saying, no, you've got to slow down. You've got to take your time. And then there's some blogger giving some wacko advice. Don't trust bloggers. But you've got all the advice and you've heard all of the steps. But for some reason, it worked for someone else, but it didn't work for you. Matthew Betts has a particularly weird meal plan. Izzy, how weird is this meal plan? It's very odd. <laughs> um, and have you ever tried this meal plan? No. Why not? Because I've smelt it. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've seen this meal plan that Matt Betts is on, and it, it, it may work for him, but I'm sure that if I try to do the same things, it's not going to work for me. I've seen... Gabe, I wish he was here so I could ask him. I've seen him be in the computer lab at uni past... Um, midnight, w like way too many times. But when it comes to study, that method that works for him, I, I tell you, it's not going to work for me. That might be what works for him. Maybe a uni lecturer would say, hey, you just have to forego any social interaction you've ever had, just so that you can study. Maybe your parents are saying, hey, you, maybe you need to calm down on your, uh, on, on, your, on your job so that you can make sure that you get your study right and you get the right marks. But whatever it is, I'm sure that all of us have had moments in life where we've seen the instructions, we've seen the know-how, we've seen the how-to, and we've tried to follow the steps, but it just doesn't seem to work out for us. And you know, there's a guy in the Bible who knows exactly how you feel, and uh, he was lame for 38 years. The last good joke he told was when he was 12. Zing! Lame means he couldn't walk. Wow, that was lame. <laughs> he, uh, he, he's been lame for 38 years. And there were these influencers on Instagram who were like, hey, if you want to get your healing, if you want to uh, find respite from your lameness, then you've got to get in this pool, man, this pool called Bethesda. It was the belief of the day. They were like, hey, got to get to Bethesda. Jump in that pool when the water bubbles up. And if you jump in that pool when the water bubbles up, guess what? You're going to get your healing. So this guy, he knew the how-to. He knew the steps that he needed to take. And he hung around that pool man and he was there for 38 years, but he hadn't been healed. He hadn't found uh, his healing yet. 
And in John chapter 5, uh, we find his story upside down. John chapter 5, we find his story, verse 6. And it says, when I find it, it says, when Jesus saw him lying there, and he knew that he'd been in that condition for a long time, Jesus said to him, do you want to be made well? Now, this man, he thinks the path to wellness is jumping into the bubbling water, And the sick man answered him and said, Sir, I have no one to put me into the water, so I can't. I have no one to put me into the water. Someone always beats me and comes down before me. And you know, when I look at this little section, I see the first words that come out of this guy's mouth are, I can't. Jesus says, would you like to get well? And he says, I can't. Because here are the steps. Jump into the water. I can't put myself in the water. Someone else can't put me in the water. But he thought that it wasn't possible to get his healing because it wasn't something that he could do in his own strength. And sometimes I feel like we limit our imagination of what can happen in our life and what can be possible in our life based off of what we think we can do, based off what we think can be done through man's strength. And Jesus Christ was right there in front of him, yet he couldn't imagine healing happening in his life. Jesus was right there, and yet he said, I can't. And you know, we're sitting in the presence of God right now. Some of us need healing. Some of us need breakthroughs. Some of us need miracles. And we're sitting here in the presence of God. And some of us have written the breakthrough that we need. We've written it off. Even though we're here in the presence of God, We believe in a God who does supernatural works, but we've written it off because we think, I can't. I can't. Verse 8 goes on and says, Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. And this man, as I said, he knew how to get healed. He knew the steps. He was supposed to jump in the water. But the method, the method never helped him. You see, he knew the method, but what he needed was the man, Jesus Christ. 38 years of his efforts produced nothing, but one conversation with Jesus, just one conversation with Jesus, and he was healed. You know, I look in that scripture, he doesn't even say that he wants it. Jesus says, do you want to be made well? And he just says, well, I can't. But Jesus still chooses to heal him. That's how much God wants to see breakthrough happen in our lives. That's how much God prioritizes seeing healing and miracles happening in our lives. Sometimes we don't even, uh, we're we're like this man, we're thinking it can't. And Jesus is waiting there to say, hey, I want to make it happen. And so one of the things that I really want to get across to us tonight is that when we try and find life, when we try and find healing, when we try and find solutions and answers for certain situations, When we look in here, when we hear preaching, it's not about looking for a method. It's not about looking for a pattern. It's not about looking for a how-to. It's about looking for Jesus Christ. And if we find Jesus, then we find the healing we need. Then we find the freedom, the provision that we need for our lives. Then we find the miracle that we need. It's through Jesus. It's not through doing any one, this A, B, C, D, which is kind of ironic because every time I preach, I like to have a, here's an A, B, C, D of how to do what I'm preaching about. But I'm really, really convinced 
that it's less about the method and it's more about the man. It's more about Jesus Christ, connecting with Jesus in any possible way, shape, uh, way, shape or form that you can. You might not know the method. You might have tried the method. You might have had other friends try the method and it didn't work for them. But hey, if you can just connect with Jesus, then the possibilities change. So how do you view Jesus? Zach, can you come and grab this? I feel like I'm going to back into it at some stage. So how do you view Jesus? Because there's these religious leaders in the Bible that generally preachers like to mock, called Pharisees, and they often call Jesus a teacher. Sometimes I think I'm a little bit ashamed to say that I viewed Jesus as a teacher too. I'm just looking to him, what can I learn? What can I take away? See, your teachers, you go to school, you learn from them, and then you go apply it somewhere else. The teacher doesn't do anything apart from teach you the way to solve this problem or solve that problem. And the Pharisees were quite often trying to separate the person of Jesus from his teaching. They were like, yes, we, 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 we know that you're a good and perfect man and everything that you speak is truth, but, and they're trying to, so many examples of them trying to get him to cause political suicide on himself and say something that they could catch him out with. They're trying to separate Jesus from his works and they were happy to take the works and sometimes I feel like I've been the same as well. I listen to a podcast and I listen to a message and I'm like, I just want to hear the one, two, three. What can I do? What's something that I can do to solve this? But really, it comes from connecting with Jesus. And many of us have faced problems in our life, relationship problems, financial, health, jobs, study, household, our mental state, our friendship groups. We even come to church looking to walk away with an answer. We come with, I really want this to be sorted out when I come to church. And we're looking to walk away with an answer, but we're not looking for Jesus to be the answer. And that is the difference. We're too busy waiting to be told that we do A, B, C, D. We're looking to man's strength and not actually looking to God's strength. Because it's not about what we do, it's more about who He is. Because more than just a teacher, Jesus Christ is a healer. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is a healer? Jesus is our provider. Jesus isn't just a teacher, He is that, but He's more than that. Jesus is our rock. Jesus is our saviour. I was watching a TV show the other day where um, this woman, her line, I knew this was going to be like perfect for my message. Um, something really bad happened to her and she was trying to fix her life up and there was a friend trying to help her and she said, you don't save me, I save me. And I feel like sometimes that's the attitude we have when we come to church because we're happy to let Jesus be here in parts of our lives but this bit is dark and hidden and I'm not going to show Jesus, that's the bit that I have to take care of before I come to Jesus. Well, you know what? Scripture says that God's kindness leads us to repentance. We get God's kindness before we repent. That's the whole point. We don't repent and then find God's kindness. It's not like we sort this out and then turn to God and it's all good. God gives us the kindness first. God gives us that loyal love that He has for us. And then from that, our actions are changed. See, when we connect with Jesus, we're not looking for the one, two, three. We're just looking to connect with Jesus. And when we do, then our actions change. It's like in, in uh, oh, I forget exactly the point, but I preached this a um, couple of months ago, that Bible verse that says, Walk in the Spirit, and then you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's not about 
trying to not fulfill so that I can then walk in the Spirit. It's just about connecting to God. Can I connect to God today? Can I connect to the Spirit today? Can I walk with the Spirit of God today? And then I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then I'll be able to have a change of heart and have a change of mind. One thing that stands out to me is that Jesus didn't get up on a platform and preach and say, here's my one, two, three. Jesus didn't say, I have the way, the truth, and the life. Come and learn so you can apply it. Jesus said, I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You don't come and learn the way to do life from me. You don't come and learn the method. You come to me because I am the life. See, it's not about trying to come and and learn a certain way of doing it so that we can then walk into our six days of the week where we're not at church and tick all the boxes and be really wise and use God's wisdom and and it's all good without Jesus. No, 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 no. We, We need to connect with Jesus every day. We need to connect with the Holy Spirit every single day so that we can have that, live out that way, truth and life through Jesus. And the other thing about this is that this word, both in English And in the Greek, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is a definite article. So for all the non-grammar nerds there, that means that there's no other way here. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way. There is no way where your strength is involved. The the, The way that exists is all through Jesus. There's not this thing where we can go, you know what, Jesus had great teaching, And so I'm going to take that teaching. And, you know, I've heard this said, and I'm ashamed to have said it myself before. But, you know, even if you look at Jesus, all of the things and the ways that he taught us to do, you know, they're actually really good for humanity. And and so even if you don't want to believe in Jesus, you can follow the principles and, you know, still lead a pretty good life. You know what? I'm convinced it's, it's going to be it's going to be 1% of what it could be. Because Jesus has, yes, he has great teachings. He has the way that we should live. He has much advice for so many situations. The Bible has so much godly wisdom that we can apply in our life. But if we fail to connect to Jesus, we miss the whole point. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So how do you view Jesus? Are you looking for Jesus to give you the way, the truth, and the life? Are you coming to him like a... Like a like you're searching in Google to try and, I have this problem, let me just jump on Google, find out the answer and then walk away. No, no, it's not about you doing it. It's about connecting with the heart and the life and the spirit of Jesus Christ. Are you looking for Jesus to give you the way or are you looking for him to be the way through your situation? And this is how we tell whether we're looking for Jesus to give us the way or whether we're looking for him to be the way. And that is that if someone heard your prayers, would they think that Jesus is the answer giver or the one who actually deals with the issue? Because sometimes we pray, God, help me to do this. God, help me to this, 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 this. God, can you show me, can you give me some insight as to how to do this? And that almost reveals that you're looking for God to give you something to walk away with rather than to be stay connected to the Father the whole time and go, God, I'm just going to need you today. I've got a lot of situations coming up. I need you today. Be with me. And then again, later in the day, God, I just, this is one of those situations I really need you. Please be with me right now. Be the way, the truth, and the life that I need. Be in me right now. And, and plus, how much of an easier prayer is that to pray? And I'm not trying to discourage you from praying for the things that you need and asking God for wisdom when you need it, because the Bible does say in James that, hey, ask our generous God, and He loves to give wisdom. But don't neglect the fact that 
I've got to first connect with the Father. When, um, when Paul says, therefore, uh, beloved children, be imitators of Christ Jesus, that word beloved children is uh, the Greek agape tos, which is the same word that was used when God said to Jesus as he was being baptized, you are my beloved son. And we see the start of Jesus' ministry happening after he got baptized. First comes the love of the Father, and then comes the, then now we can imitate Christ. Before you go and try and do all of these things to clean your life life up and apply godly wisdom, first, hey, you are his beloved son. You are his dear child. That relationship's got to come first. I'm going to, if I'm going to connect with God about anything, let me just first get that relationship. Let me just first get that love that I need. Let me first solidify that relationship that is hopefully so dear to me before I come asking for advice in any situation. So number one, how do you view Jesus? Number two, how do you approach Jesus? In prayer, as you come to church, what's your approach to Jesus? And I'll explain what this means kind of in a moment. When I was maybe in grade uh, nine or 10, I got Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4. And uh, what a great game. And there was all of these combos, right? So there was, there was one button that you could do if you wanted to ollie. And it's like, yeah, I can, I can ollie. But if you want to do anything more than that, you've got to start to do these button combos. And um, you've got to do some whack combos for some of them. Some of them take a lot of skill to be able to do all sorts of different tricks. And uh, I don't even know the names of the tricks. Levi, what's the name of a, of a great trick? A back, a backflip. Yeah, I would love to see someone do that on a skateboard. Any other skaters here? Tell me the name of a great. Varial air heel flip. Yeah, varial heel flip. There you go. I bet that one's at least a four button combo. I bet. Well, I started to get really good at it. And the only way that in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater is you unlock certain parks and then to get to the next park, you've got to complete different challenges. And my sisters love to play as well. And they would ask me, hey, how did I get to this next thing? Can you tell me so that I can get on the game and I can do it? And I would try and explain to them and I would try and tell them you've got to press this, then this. And my sister was one of those people where if Tony Hawk's skating left, she's doing this. And if you're skating right, she's doing this and, you know, backwards and forwards and she thinks her whole body is the controller. And I I just used to watch them struggle, my sisters, whether it was that or Ratchet and Clank, shout out, or whatever games we were playing. I used to watch them struggle and they used to be like, you know what? I don't care. I just want to unlock New York. Can you please, can you please just do this for me? And When I got to have a go, I got to do it really, really quick. But when I had to try and explain it to them, they tried and tried again and it took a long time and sometimes they didn't even get it. And you know, the way that we approach Jesus often determines what we walk away with. Do we walk away with a problem solved or do we walk away with instructions that require so much strength that we don't have the the strength to follow through with? See, there's two stories in Mark chapter 10 that I think contrast perfectly. Mark chapter 10, verse 17, it says, As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a rich young man came up to him and said, Good teacher. There it is. 
teacher. Good teacher, what must I do? What must I do in my strength? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him and he told him exactly what he needed to do. But the man felt sad and sorrowful. He knew he didn't have the strength to do it. He went to Jesus looking for instructions. And if that's what you're going to Jesus for, man, if, if, if you want some instructions, God's got wisdom. Jesus has got wisdom. But sometimes we don't have the strength to carry it out. That's at the beginning of Mark chapter 10. Then right at the end, there's something completely different. There's a guy called Blind Bartimaeus. Poor guy, first name Blind. And he came up to Jesus and verse 51, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, I want to be made well. And Jesus said to him, go because your faith has healed you. And instantly he could see. Do we see the contrast there? One guy is saying, teacher, what do I have to do to, com- to get in eternal life? And then the other guy, he's saying, this is Jesus. This is what I want you to do. I'm not relying on my strength. I'm giving this to you. Jesus, I need you to heal me. It's not about anything that I can do. You know, like this last month, I've been getting real excited about healing, man, because uh, I really needed to see something happen uh, in a family member of mine. I really needed to see a specific healing. And I was really discouraged because I felt like I didn't have the belief for it. I felt like I didn't have the, the faith for it. But you know what? I had a bit of a mindset change looking through scriptures and listening to messages I had a great mindset change, which is exactly what I'm preaching now, and that it's not about anything that I could do. See, I was, I was subconsciously worried. Did, did I pray hard enough to get the healing? Was I sincere enough when I prayed? Did I confess enough scripture beforehand? Did I speak in tongues enough? Did I journal that day? I was so worried about all the things that I did that it was so intimidating to pray for healing. But once I was able to get past that, just push all of that aside, I was able to pray really simply, Jesus, you're the healer. And I just really need you to do the healing because what can I do? I just prayed that and then I was just really convicted to just rest and just let God do the work. Because if I'm running around trying to do all the work, how is God going to do the work? I need to rest and let God do the work. That's why I reckon there were so many healings on the Sabbath. It's almost like Jesus saying, hey, this is the day where I work. I'm the one who heals, not you, not man. Even if even one of the Pharisees said, hey, that guy who you healed, Jesus, bring him back during the week on the six days when men ought to work. He literally said that. In other words, he saw healing as man's work. But when we actually view it as God's work, like Jesus is trying to push forward to us, and I'm not just talking about healing now, I'm talking about any miracle or breakthrough that you need. If you just trust in Jesus, not looking to try and do anything yourself, not worried about how sincere you are, how much you prayed, how much you journaled, whatever, whatever, whatever. It's not about your strength. It's about who Jesus is. So let's determine to approach Jesus with the intent that he is the one going to do the work. Let's approach with an attitude of looking for what Jesus can do in our lives like blind Bartimaeus, not what we can do like the rich young man. Are you looking for wisdom or are you looking for Jesus? How do you approach him? Are you saying, what must I do? 
Or are you saying, what can you do? And uh, every service, we like to pray for needs in our church. And I want to pray for them right now with all of you. I want us to be able to put this into action. And so we're all going to pray together. And so I've got the prayer needs and we've got them here on the screen. Someone's looking for breakthrough in health. Um, someone's looking for healing from COVID. Someone's looking for healing from chronic illness. And some of these are, you know, quite serious. Someone's looking for a car, an ACL, healing from an ACL injury, healing, healing from asthma and studies. So we're just going to pray for these right now. But understanding that it is not our prayer that is doing the work. We are simply coming to Jesus and putting this at Jesus' feet and then trusting him that he's going to bring the breakthrough. So let's do that together right now. And I'm just going to pray. But if you don't know what to pray, then you can just pray what I'm praying. Just pray that in your head. But Jesus, we know that you are the healer. God, you are our provider. You are our rock. You are our savior. You are our father. And we trust you today to bring the breakthrough that people need in any area that they need it. And we're, we're just getting that off our plate. We're just giving that to you. Amen. And now, now we rest. I'm not going to be staying up late trying to pray for it to make sure that any of that happens. I'm just trusting. This is in God's hands now. This is not in my hands. This is not something that is going to be achieved with my strength. And I genuinely believe that God will be bringing breakthrough because I've seen him do it. And in that healing that I was talking about and even more people that I've been praying for since, we've seen so much just genuine healing just from really just giving that over to God and not trusting in our own strength. Finally, how do you walk away from Jesus? What happens when you leave an encounter with God, when you walk away from church, when you walk away uh, from prayer or something like that? See, when something breaks in my house, I kind of feel a bit annoyed. I feel a little bit of weight, like, oh, just another thing that I have to do. And it stays on my mind until I do it. And then when I do it, I feel like, oh, that's better. Like, it's, it's done now. And I got um, BJ, who's in my life group. My garage door was broken. And I got him to come over. And it was like weighing on my mind, like, oh, I really need to fix this garage door. And he came over and he did it for me. And I was like, oh, that feels so good. And to contrast that, there's a guy who I got to install a safety screen on my back door. And right now you're thinking, gee, this guy's got a lot of problems with doors, garage door, back door, car door. Well, I also have a problem with my front door and it's leaking water every time it rains. And so while he was fixing my back door, I was like, hey, what do you think I can do about my front door? And he was like, you've got to go to Bunnings and you've got to buy this, this, this and this. Half of it went over my head. I don't remember the names of it. And I still have a burden and I still actually feel like, oh, that's just another thing that I need to get done. And I wonder how you walk away from an experience with God. Do you still feel like you have the same weight on your shoulders? Some of us bring our problems to church and we, we go, I want to pray about this. And we pray about it and we put it all out there. But then we pick it all back up again and we walk out the building and we think, what am I going to do with this? And, it, and it's because we've gone and we've asked for instructions and we've tried to get help rather than giving it to God rather than trusting that this is out of my hands now and He's going to do it. I love that feeling and I so, so, I, I want that feeling for you as well. And it comes with the difference in how we approach Jesus. We're designed to leave 
our struggles at the feet of Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Jesus gives us rest. And He says, come to me. He doesn't say, come to my technique. Come to my masterclass. He doesn't say, come to my method. Come to my scripture and I will give you rest. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. If we have Jesus, then we find rest. And if we don't have Jesus, we can use His wisdom and His ways, but honestly, we're just going to be using our own strength and we're going to be just wearing ourselves out. Is Jesus a teacher? Yes, but He's more than that. He is our rest. He is our Saviour. I don't need Him. I, I, don't, I don't want Him to try and tell me all of these things. I'd just rather give them to Him. And that's what He does. We need Jesus because we really need rest. In this fast-paced world, with new problems being added to our life daily, we need rest and that's found not in the ways, but in the person of Jesus. So how do you approach Jesus? Are you coming to Jesus to the man? Or are you coming like the Pharisees looking for the method? What do you say about this, teacher? What do you say about this? What do I have to do? Are you looking for the method or are you coming to the man? The way to be able to tell that is when you spend time with God, do you find rest? And if you don't find rest, then I want to encourage you to change the way that you approach Jesus this week. Come to Him not looking for a method. First and foremost, come to Him just looking for Him, looking for that relationship that He loves you as dear, beloved children. 